0: All right questers welcome back to another week and another episode with success quest today i'm your host caleb valle and i am going to introduce you our guest speaker today um she is the professor emerita of management at california state university and author of multiple books including habits of a happy brain uh i welcome you loretta bruning
1: hi thanks for having me
0: <laughs> the invisible applause right like it <laughs> love it um loretta let's go ahead so i don't want to talk too much about you we've already talked a, quite a bit already on the phone and a little bit before we started the podcast please introduce yourselves to uh the quester community
1: hi um i have um retired from 25 years of teaching with a new career i study the brain chemicals of animals and how that helps us understand our own brain chemistry, our ups and our downs. It helps us understand why we're not happy all the time. That helps us accept ourselves as normal for having ups and downs rather than having unrealistic expectations about our happy chemicals flowing all the time for no reason.
0: I love that. That that perfectly describes you. We've been talking, she is into happy chemicals the brain and it's so intriguing because there's the brain is everything we do like it's it it revolves around everything right the way i'm thinking the way i'm doing things the brain is such a vital part of my everyday, right (laughs) but maybe we don't value it as such yes Um, but
1: also um a lot of the research on the brain comes from academia and having spent my whole life in academia you know the expression that once you see this, how the sausage is made, you don't want to eat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. so when I was retired, I, I questioned, uh, some of the research on oh, the wow. brain and, um, you know, that so much of it is from a disease perspective, like something is wrong with you.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: so I was trying to understand more the normal workings of these chemicals rather than diseaseifying them.
0: Wow. That is so intriguing. And you know, I I have a question for you. How did you decide you wanted to start looking into the chemicals of the brain? What was the underlying reason as to why you began this journey?
1: Yes. Well, um, after being a college professor for 25 years, I had this sneaking feeling that my students were not especially motivated. And as my children got to school age, I noticed that they were not especially motivated And I tried to talk to my colleagues about it And I was shocked to discover that their kids were not so motivated either And so I lost faith in the social science model of motivation And started doing my own research and I learned that motivation comes from chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin that reward us with good feelings when we do things that are good for survival in the state of nature. They're not always good for you today and that's why life is complicated. (laughs) <laughs> Life really is complicated,
0: and it's funny because the motivation. And when you say that motivation, like in school, in a school setting, right? You you notice that there was a trend between your kids and the kids that from other parents as well. Was it a, a lack of motivation to just do work in general, or just to find happiness from that work? Or what was it exactly?
1: Um, lack of motivation to do things that were unfun. Right. Oh, interesting. Because
0: do hard work.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you're taught that the, the current view of education is that you shouldn't have to do it unless it's fun. But in my opinion, humans wouldn't be um, having the comforts that we have today if people had only done what was fun. Our ancestors rose to death in the winter if they didn't accumulate firewood in the summer and that was not necessarily fun so in order to have some level of survival skills we have to do some unfun things and find ways to make it fun oh i love
0: that it's it's sort of interesting because when you bring that up it's i totally relate with that like on a real level <laughs> growing up in school it was like man i, I don't feel this the desire to do <laughs> The hard stuff, you know, to go home and do the really grind out those essays. And I, I, I knew a few kids who were really good at that. I went to a charter school and it was, I feel like I was surrounded by maybe more than average. <laughs> like if I went to a public school and I, I did not, I don't feel like I belong with those friends at all, <laughs> academically at least. Um, but why do you think that is? You know, I feel like that is the vast majority of kids or teens or people in college today. Why do you think that they seem that?
1: Well, The animal brain does what gets rewarded and in the modern world you get the reward without doing the action For example, if a monkey wants to eat it has its gets its it has to get its own food or it will starve So it gets its own food, but in the modern world you can do nothing but sit on the couch and You still get fed you still get social opportunity colleges will let you in even if you haven't especially learned much in high school so mm-hmm. when you give the monkey brain the rewards without doing the effort that's what you got
0: so things are getting easier and as a consequence like we're learn, we're like lean we're falling back i guess and wanting to do what's easy and and yes, so we losing that hard mentality are-
1: yes and people are thinking that things are getting harder right everyone goes around saying how hard things are because somebody who wants to get your support or sell you sell you information or get you to join their cause they tell you things are harder they persuade you that you have some mental illness and
0: oh yeah that's the worst <laughs> i just, this is, this is really awesome. And it's so intriguing. And I, I encourage everybody to check um, her out, uh, Loretta out at her website, innermammalinstitute.org. Yes. Um, and there, when you scroll down to the bottom, I actually think maybe there's a tab for it, but you can see where you can buy her habit, the book of Habits of a Happy Brain. She goes into depth about all this stuff. It's so fascinating. I've already started reading it myself. I've gotten uh, quite a bit into the book. And I'm intrigued because it's so interesting how you can compare um, animals to humans. And we can learn from, that's why they're there, right? We can learn from each other and we can learn from our environment and from what's around us. Um, and it's so important because learning how to control those happy chemicals in our brain will help us in the long run. Um, yes. Today, what we want to do, we want to focus on the social comparison that naturally humans find themselves comparing themselves to other and how it affects us and everyone around us even um, yes. I'm so intrigued by this because I think it has a lot to do with those brain chemicals and and how we work physiologically um, yes
1: this was so, a, so a huge yes, surprise it. Uh, it was a huge surprise to me because after studying psychology for decades I hadn't heard this before so animals constantly mammals mammals are social they constantly compare themselves to others and they avoid conflict by withdrawing when they're with a stronger individual and uh, Asserting when they're with a weaker individual and they don't consciously think this in words What they do is they make a comparison and then when they see that they're weaker They release a little bit of cortisol, which is the stress chemical in modern language and when they see that they're the stronger individual they release a little bit of serotonin, which is the antidepressant chemical in modern language. And so that's how animals are constantly navigating their social world. And this is why people drive themselves crazy over minutia, because the serotonin feels good. But when you get a little bit... Your body soon metabolizes it, and it's gone. So you want more. So people are constantly looking for ways to be in the one-up position, so they can stimulate the good feeling of serotonin.
0: Wow! So and that's then, so insulin, that's amazing. And
1: so then, when you uh, when you fail at getting the one-up position, your body releases the stress chemical. And it feels like it's a survival threat, even though you're not consciously thinking it's a survival threat, because that's the job the chemical evolved to do. That's
0: that's so intriguing. And this is this is the same on an animal scale as it is to humans, right? That's what we're talking about here. We can we can directly correlate and say this is what's happening to people. Can you give me an example of a social setting? Um, and obviously, this is really easy. Where that. Occurs where I feel weaker maybe because I, I don't know if it's maybe necessarily um, Like a bullying scenario, right where you feel like but I feel like I, it can happen every day for different right. reasons Exactly, can you exactly
1: um, And by the way when you brought up of why is this the same in humans and animals? So we humans have two brains. We have the big pink fluffy part that you see in pictures but then you may have seen that if you cut the brain in half and you see that in the middle there's this core Mm-hmm. Which is called the limbic system, which has things you've heard of like the amygdala and hippocampus, and that is almost exactly the same as apes. So wow. we're two separate parts, the part that's unique to humans, and the part that controls the chemicals. So, uh, daily life examples. So one ex- the most common example is, Let's say you're with a group of people and you make a comment and you're waiting for them to say, oh yeah, good point. And they don't say that.
0: (laughs) Ooh, yeah. (laughs) that's the worst.
1: (laughs) So they're not trying to kill you, but because you wanted... To have an improvement in your status and you didn't get it. Your animal brain sees that as a survival threat because in the animal world, you have to raise your status to get mating opportunity. When you fail to raise your status, you miss out and therefore your genes don't get passed on and that's a threat to your survival. So that's why our mammal brain makes us feel so threatened when we try to assert ourselves and fail
0: this is so wow okay so question. this is (laughs) this is really intriguing i want you guys to pay attention really closely basically what you're telling me so like this happens to me actually quite frequently because i I like (laughs) to tell dad jokes right and i'll be in a social setting and i'll tell a joke no one reacts right no one laughs and obviously i kind of brush it off i'm kind of used to it by now but internally Something's happening still. Exactly. Exactly. There's still a buildup of stress. Exactly. uh, Right. That's the stress chemical that we're talking about. That's intriguing. How how does that maybe affect me without me realizing it? Is it like over time it builds up and I'm all of a sudden unloading all this stress and I don't understand it, but I'm angry and frustrated. That could play a small role.
1: Very good. Yes. So this is explained in my most recent book called Tame Your Anxiety. So once you release cortisol, the stress chemical, it's in your body for about an hour. And its job is to tell an animal to look for threat signals. Like when a gazelle smells a predator, it has to say, where is the predator? So it knows which way to run. So once you feel a little bit icky, you release that cortisol, and then you look for bad stuff. And your big brain tries to help out by finding bad stuff. And the most common example is when you say to yourself, this kind of stuff always happens to me. People are always putting me down. And that stimulates more cortisol, which keeps it in your body even longer, which keeps you looking for more evidence of bad stuff what a horrible domino effect that's this is so
0: intriguing to me because maybe yeah. we don't see the huge effects of it but it does impact us negatively and at a, a larger rate so it's something like that so I say, i'd say a dad joke and, and no one responds now i have this chemical in my system that's probably going to be there for an hour you say and now i'm looking maybe for more things that bad are stuff. negative you know yeah. bad stuff and that's so intriguing how often does that happen to us and we just find ourselves mad for almost no reason you know it's, it's such a small thing but it adds up and it yes. builds up what can we I mean maybe I'm what jumping to here and asking it? you but yeah what what can we do in that situation or beforehand what do we have to just prepare yes. ourselves for those moments
1: yes so there's a lot of things you could do and my books are all about solutions love that um, so the first thing is, When you put yourself in the one down position, that's what's causing the survival threat. So the survival threat feeling. So when other people don't laugh at your jokes, you're thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? Why don't people respect me? And another way of looking at it would be, you know, um, I have... Verbal skills that other people don't have, or something that puts you in the one up position, or you know, yeah. they're just afraid to laugh because of political correctness, or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good example. Um, now, it may sound nasty to put yourself in the one up position. Yeah, it kind
0: of sounds like selfish and like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, what I say is, you have the rest of the day to be nice, but for this moment, When you catch yourself putting yourself in the one-down position, you have to find your way to put yourself in the one-up position. And the way to do it that makes your inner mammal happy is to feel confidence in your survival skills. So you don't need to really put other people down, but you have to put yourself up by having confidence in your own strength. But the bigger thing is to give yourself a break during this cortisol so you don't go and turn it into a spiral. And the way to do that, uh, cortisol has a half-life of 20 minutes. So if you do something fun for 20 minutes, half of the cortisol will be gone and you'll be more in control. But if you try to get things done while your cortisol is pumping, then you're gonna get yourself frustrated and get into a loop. So if you have a... prepared list of healthy ways to distract yourself so that when you feel that cortisol flowing, you could focus on something that's not going to trigger more cortisol, but is not going to just be shoveling pizza in your mouth.
0: <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I can see that already. People with the ice cream and the pizza. <laughs> yeah. So that that's so intriguing because I, I think the, the important point here is recognizing that small things like that where you put yourself in a one down position it really does affect you when you feel that ickiness inside like that could add up over time that that's you start seeing through negative lenses yes and that that would affect you socially and personally yes so, the, the, so go ahead please oh,
1: well uh, and obviously because your big fluffy pink brain doesn't know that your inner mammal brain is doing it you assume that this is a fact of the world and you right. say they are putting me down on purpose and When you think that repeatedly neurons connect whenever you activate them repeatedly and that builds a neural pathway that says people are always putting me down and Many people, most people have built that, pa- that pathway in their youth because when you're younger, you are in the weaker position. So we have to challenge ourselves to build new neural pathways to see ourselves in the one up position in a kind and healthy way.
0: I love that. And people, I think the question is you need to realize that the reason you want to do this is because day to day, when you get those little, little icky feelings, they add up over time, and that's going to affect you um, maybe later, maybe in the moment, and you're going to do something that maybe you regret. You start blaming other people for the reason you feel bad when in reality, you need to find a healthier way to put yourself as, as a uh, Loretta saying one up, right? Uh, internally, right? You're not outwardly saying that you're better than everybody else, exactly. <laughs> but internally you're, you're helping your body realize that you're not in a state of threat, right? There's nothing exactly. that's trying to harm you. Um, let's talk about some of those healthy ways.
1: Okay. So um, healthy ways of putting yourself in a one-up position or healthy ways of distracting yourself from cortisol.
0: Ooh, Oh yeah. Let, let's start from distracting ourselves from cortisol. Let's do that first.
1: Okay. So um, my favorite example that I always use, um, this is something you could do if you're in the office or at work or something, is put comedy on your phone or put Caleb's podcast on your phone since it's yes. uplifting. <laughs> and, um Walk up and down stairs while you listen to it (laughs) because anything that occupies your body and mind at the same time, find something that occupies both your body and mind, but something that you like and something that's healthy for you in the long run rather than unhealthy for you. That's awesome. So this could be a long list of things, you know, it could be knitting if you like knitting, um, it could be golf if you like golf, but if you get frustrated when you do that thing, this is not the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the time to eat kale if you hate kale, like the, oh, I'm going to be happy if I eat kale and do 100 push pushups. No, that is not going to, you know, yep. that's the advice that most people are giving. But really, if here's the other thing is like, let's take, say for the person Goes to a video game for that purpose, then the challenge is to turn it off in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, distraction is healthy for 20 minutes. After that, turn it off, and then your next step is what do I do to build my skills so that my inner mammal has confidence in my own ability to meet my survival needs? And that's the answer to the other question yep. of healthy ways to stimulate your serotonin and feel comfortable about your status. That's fantastic.
0: So I, I guess in that scenario, when I find myself no one's laughing at my dad's jokes and I <laughs> and I am starting to feel a little icky. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting responses. I'm I'm putting myself down. No one ever laughs at my jokes. Maybe that's the trigger, right? I start thinking as soon as I start saying those things in my mind, I'm like, man, no one ever does this. It's like, oh you know, this is my body releasing that bad chemical. Where I'm feeling bad, I'm putting myself down, and so that's when I need to step away from that situation, breathe, do something that takes my mind off it, like you were saying, distract me, and then start putting in place those things that I put, put my body internally one up. I love this. This is this is fantastic. Yes. Um,
1: There's one more um, part of it. If I can, if I may. Yes. Um, why would you go from they didn't laugh at my jokes to? something deeper. And the reason we all do that is because our cortisol circuits are built from early experience. So if you think about like our caveman ancestors, when you touched fire, it hurt. And that huge cortisol surge wired your brain to not touch fire again. So, everyone in their past has had different sources of pain, and that builds a neural pathway that says, No way am I going to do that again. So, everyone when they're young, they have certain moments of rejection and disappointment and social isolation. They watch their parents have frustration and conflict and sadness. So, every one of us in our early experience builds an idea of. This is gonna feel bad. And whatever cortisol circuits you built when you were young, whatever reminds you of that bad moment, even, even though it's totally irrational and only relevant to this little narrow slice of experience and not relevant to others, um, that's gonna, <clears throat> excuse me, that's gonna get you. Wow. Maybe people,
0: I'm, I love what you're saying here because it's like, I, I really have underestimated maybe like my youth, what yep. that did for Everyone me. Everyone like does. People don't realize, yeah, they don't realize that what they're fighting right now, maybe to try like to, to make this change, right? We, we talk about it and maybe it sounds easy, but in reality, you bring this up because you are fighting your. What you've built up over years, decades—you know, this is your yes. brain that you've built up. You have you have youth, you have so many neural pathways that are there right yes. now. Yes. How do you overcome those? And that's and by doing these yes. small things that we're talking about, right?
1: And and I'll give you a, a mind-blowing example. So most comedians, um, when you read about their childhoods, you know it's fascinating, and most of them ended up with uh, m- most of them started out with a parent who was very sad or angry and they tried to cheer that parent up or stop conflict by making them laugh. And it worked enough. Our brain gets wired to repeat whatever works. So sometimes it works. So that's why they're so hooked on doing it. But what happens when it fails, when people don't laugh? Then in your mind, it's a crisis because a little child living with that sad or angry parent, it's it's a crisis so that's how people get wired
0: that's incredible and and that little bit of wiring that happened in their youth ended up creating what they are today you know
1: exactly because the the ch- we are born with no connections between our neurons. We're born with billions wow. of neurons, but no connections between them. And the first connections we build become like the main highway system of our brain. And every new experience, we feed it through the pathways we have, and they get built up very large. They become our lens on life. And that's why we're all so individual.
0: Wow. That's, that's incredible. And, and I, the reason I think it's so important to talk about social comparison is because it happens everywhere. You don't even have to be in a social setting to do social comparison. It can happen on your phone now. It can happen on the computer. You're looking at the people on Facebook, on Instagram. You're not even talking to anybody and you see something and you realize that you are not as great as them for whatever reason and you put yourself down and you are stimulating bad chemicals without anyone else around. That's horrible. And it's so much more common in today's society than it ever has been ever because people can see it in the, the, the privacy of their own room, you know, in their closets. They can be on their phone and then boom, they're, they're comparing themselves to other people. And that has such a negative impact. Does it, do you think it impacts people to the point where they, it, is, it is causing depression and anxiety?
1: Um, frankly, I am not a believer in this theory that things are worse today because Ooh. I've been fed this my whole life yeah. and every few years, some new trend, some new technology comes along and we're told, Oh, this is so horrible. This is the, you know, the world is, is about to end and this is the worst thing. It's so hard. It's never been this bad and after you see so many of these thought modules come and go you realize that this is just a meme you know yeah. and then <laughs> i love that oh my gosh and read history books to see how horrible life was in the past yeah uh, not the romanticized view of the past but the real daily life view of people living in cabins with food that could run out before the end of the next harvest season and neighbors who could come in and steal your daughters and kill you to take your grain. It was yeah. bad. No. Yeah. I, I
0: I love that. And I totally agree with you. It's like, I definitely don't want anyone to think that that I'm thinking that today is more like I'm sitting here in a house that is pretty awesome compared to the 1700s right yes. 1800s even 20 years ago you know like it's it's amazing and the technology you have is so incredible uh, the one thing i do find so interesting though is the rise in this this mental illness and maybe it it always has been the same but maybe it's because we're trying to pinpoint things and we're trying to find blame for things um do you think that that there's a correlation between that and social comparison or these these chemicals in our brain like are Is there a correlation?
1: So first, the idea is that all through human history, people had frustrations and disappointments and no one offered them the message that you can be happy every minute if you take this pill. No one gave them the message that everybody else is happy every minute so something must be wrong with you. So they just had to deal with it. Some of them, Dealt with it effectively and built the character skills that we need. Others dealt with it poorly and ended up being messes. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh. And it's intriguing that you bring that up too, because how how many people are just looking for an outlet and they want to be happy all the time? When in reality, that's not reality. You know,
1: like there are some things that we just have to deal with. We have to yes. grind. And the other big part of this is that all through human history, it was so hard just to get enough food to survive that if you got enough food, you were happy and then you spent the next day looking for food, and then you were happy when you found it. And if you found enough firewood to be warm and enough water to drink, and then the big thing was to get mating opportunity because that was hard to get. And as soon as you got mating opportunity, you had children, and that made it even harder to find enough food. So people were so busy just surviving that they were happy with like, if you found two fish instead of one fish. (laughs) And yeah. today, <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> today, your, your basic survival needs are so easily met yes. that it takes more to, quote unquote, turn you on. And people don't realize how spoiled they are, so they actually think they're deprived. And yes. people are selling you that message that you're deprived.
0: I lo- and this is coming full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, right? This whole idea that things are becoming, we're leaving pretty easy lives in comparison to how our ancestors have been living, you know, and yes. that is affecting us because now we're thinking that things are hard when they aren't relatively hard, you know? Yes. And and sometimes we just have to put the pedal to the metal. We have to hit the wall and learn that things are hard and it's okay. Um, yes. And this comes back to what you've been teaching us this whole entire time about Happy chemicals, and in reality, the maybe questions. If you're listening, where this isn't going to necessarily, you might actually be dealing with you know a mental illness, and it's hard, and we understand that, right? We we by no no means want to put you down and think like, oh, depression and anxiety, it just means you're weak. No, that's not true. What we're trying to say is that the solution can be easier, and maybe not solution, but a part of the solution can be very simple, which is what we've been talking about this whole entire time. This idea of if you can put yourself on that one-up, right? How was that going to help bring out the good chemicals in your body? And how will that affect you positively? If it can do so much negatively, imagine how much it can do positively. It can go the same way. The other direction. And yes. I'm assuming that, uh, exactly, I'm assuming that was correct. why well, glad you said
1: um, that. <laughs> putting yourself one up is only one third of the story because there's three different happy chemicals that we seek. So that's the serotonin part of the story, but there's also the dopamine part of the story and the oxytocin part of the story. And in the interest of time, I'll say it really yes. fast. So dopamine is the feeling of, um, it's in, in nature, it's, Meeting your needs but in the modern world, it's a sense of accomplishment and the way you get it in the modern world Is having a goal and approaching the goal now Oxytocin is the animal urge to have a herd to be safe from predators and in the modern world It's the feeling of acceptance and belonging
0: Wow that is incredible. You guys, Quest, this has been so awesome. I love hearing and learning from you. Loretta, I want to say thank you, first of all, for spending your time and your life dedicated to learning about this stuff and trying to share it with other people. Uh, again, Questers, I want to invite you to guys to go and check out her website at innermammalinstitute.org. That's where you're going to find all of her books, all of her podcasts, and, and all of her um, resources that kind of help you identify these things within yourself to help you change and transform your chemicals and your neural pathways, which I think is so powerful. Um, and I also um, wanted to ask Loretta as a kind of a last, hurrah, the last piece of advice, what, if you could talk to everyone in the world at one time, right, and I, what, what would you, what piece of advice would you give them
1: um <laughs> ah, it's harmless <laughs> no i 'm laughing because usually my answer is um, about social comparison because we haven 't studied Ooh. that so uh, because, but since we 've already talked about that, so um here 's one okay Please. so to to enjoy the good feeling of dopamine, dopamine is excitement, so if you try to psych yourself with something huge like being a rock star, your inner mammal is going to quickly realize that you're not any closer to being a rock star. And then it's not gonna give you the dopamine anymore. So we need realistic goals and actual action toward them. But you can't always control the world and you can't always make m- force your actions to be successful So my advice is to have three goals, a long-run goal, a short-run goal, and a middle-term goal. So every day there will be some way to approach one of your goals, and then you will always have a little bit of dopamine, and that will wire you to expect to feel good and to expect the good feeling of dopamine, and that turns it on more easily.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Loretta. Uh, Can we follow you on social media? What, What social medias are you on?
1: Uh, Yes, I'm on everything and all of the links are the icons are at my website and I should also mention for people who don't love to read that I have videos and animations and infographics and cute animal pictures so I have this information in any form that a person might like.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Again, Questers, um, this is Loretta Bruning. We're so grateful. Um, Please go like her. Go follow her stuff. Go check her out on her website. Don't forget that we come up with an episode every Thursday. Um, And don't forget to subscribe and rate us if you're brand new to the podcast. Let us know if you actually enjoyed this. I I know I did every time I learned something new from people. And this has been intriguing because it's so much more scientifical. You know, it's more to the point. It's more direct, factual. I love that. Um, So thank you so much, Questers. And we will see you next time. Have a successful day.